Well, if you would, reach into your bulletin, take your study guide out, and uh, grab a clipboard and a pen from the book rack, and let's, let's get to moving uh, on our discussion this morning. Today we're going to Numbers chapter 13, and we'll also be dealing with Numbers chapter 14 along the way, potentially get to Numbers chapter 15, but I don't expect we'll get that long since our time is short. When we come to this passage, we find out that we're in the middle of a story. Now, the story began a long time ago. In fact, 400 years ago, when the children of Israel went to Egypt and eventually, through the course of time, were made slaves in Egypt. And over that period of time, they finally turned their hearts back to God and started crying out to God for relief from this slavery. God heard their cry and sent Moses and Aaron to them to deliver them from the Egyptians. Now it was interesting what took place because Moses and Aaron went to the leaders of the Israeli people and told them, God has sent us to deliver you from slavery. And in the process of time, the people got to experience God's delivering hand. They got to see God's faithfulness. They got to see God deliver on His promise as miracle after miracle after miracle eventually brought the release of the people of Israel. They went seven days through the wilderness to this place that God had promised for them. God said, I've got a land that I've promised to your ancestors that I'm going to give to you. And all I want you to do now is go in and possess it. Because I'm going to go ahead of you and I'm going to drive the inhabitants out from before you. I'm going to take care of all that. This battle is my battle. I just need you to obey. Now, all of this is so important in setting the story up as we come now and back up just a little in Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, to see that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men out to spy the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran. So Moses picks out 12 men, one from each tribe of Israel, and he says, Now what you're entitled to do is to go into the land, and there you are to determine the, the way that uh, God's plan is going to be successful. God's already established a plan. You're to go in, spy out the land, and come back and report to us that God's plan will be effective in the land that he's promised to us. So the people go into the land. Verse 25 says that after 40 days they come back and now they stand before the people and they're ready to give a report. But there's a great problem that has developed because they are divided in what they're going to tell the people of Israel. Instead of coming back and giving them a unified report, they come back and give them a divided report. Ten of the spies, which we're going to declare they're the multitude from here on. They were going to refer to them as the multitude. Came back and, humanly speaking, spoke very logically to the people. The people wanted to hear what they had to say because what they had to say was very logical. It's very, very much what they needed to know in their opinion. On the other side, we have the minority, the other two spies who are standing up and, humanly speaking, speaking gibberish. They're speaking stupidity. These people are saying things that are absolutely absurd. No one is going to listen to them. No one. Now, division always brings problems. 
It brings problems in, in the unity of a church. It brings problems in the unity of a nation. We've got a nation right now that is so divided, and we see the problems that are happening as a result. The reason Paul so strongly urges us to be unified, to seek unity time and time again, is because there's where our strength lies, when we stand together. But the problem for the children of Israel was they were not standing together. Ten were saying one thing, two were saying another, and the people were siding with the majority. Now what would bring on such a problem? Number one, let me give you something to write down here. Number one, the majority speculated or the majority scrutinized or evaluated the plan of God. The majority, these ten spies came back and they determined that they could, could go into the land and through their brilliance and total understanding of military prowess, they would know exactly how to handle the situation. And instead of coming back and reporting to the people, God's plan is good, let's go do what he's told us to do, they came back and said, hey, we got a real problem here. Now we know that God is almighty, that God is all-knowing, that God is all-powerful. But in this situation, his plan is not a good plan. He, he did not take into consideration the people that are in the land. I mean, because these people are are huge. These people are giants. I mean, to us, and you can read the passage of Scripture that goes along with this. I'm not going to because of time. To us, as we looked at ourselves in comparison to them, we were like little bitty grasshoppers standing next to them. And so God didn't take this into consideration. Folks, I want to tell you something. God did not consider all the factors in this. And as a result, it is very, very problematic for us to go into the land we're going to have some real difficulties if we go there. One of the things I've discovered through my own experience, my own life, is that it becomes much easier for me to doubt, for me to scrutinize, for me to evaluate the plan of God when my life is not right with God. When my life is not what it should be, it's much easier for me to look at God's plan and say, but God, you, you're forgetting some things. God, do you not realize that uh, if I step out in faith to do that, I don't have enough money to carry it out? Do you not realize this? Do you not see the problem here? That if I try to go and do this, then all of a sudden people are going to mock me and make fun of me. God, I know that you want me to be in the choir. You've given me a talent. You've given me an ability to sing. And I know you want me to be in the choir. And yet... The problem is walking up there that first time. Man, God, I just, I just can't do that. I know you've got a plan for my life, but God, I've kind of evaluated that plan, and what I've discovered is it's really not a very good plan. Now, from a Christian perspective, we look at what they were doing, and we have to stop and say, how ridiculous is that? For someone to think that they could somehow improve upon the plan of God. For someone to think that they could somehow make better what God has done in perfection to us would seem quite foolish. And yet, the truth is we do it all the time, don't we? We, we, we really have problems because we want to evaluate God's plan. 
Now this in itself created an additional problem because they were scrutinizing the plan of God. Number two, your second fill-in, says the majority also cast doubts on God's plan. The majority, these ten spies, not only were scrutinizing the plan of God, but because they came back and gave such an evil report to the people, they all of a sudden were causing them to doubt anything that God had ever seen, anything God had ever done, anything God had ever promised. They were causing them to doubt. Now this was also greatly problematic, wasn't it? That they would cause the people to doubt. In fact, ten men... The multitude over here would literally lead three million people to total despair. Total despair. You don't believe it? Listen to what they say here. Chapter 14, verses 1 through 4 says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. <clears throat> and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Oh, poor me. Poor, poor, pitiful me. If only we had died in the land of Egypt. If only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Now listen to the absurdity of what they're saying. Now in their eyes, looking across the line and seeing the two in the minority saying something different from what they were saying, they were the ones that were saying something absurd. But as we look at this from a Christian perspective and we look at what the majority was saying, we just want to go back to being slaves again. How crazy is that logic? And yet every one of Three million people, with the exception of very few, bought into that logic and they began to doubt the plan of God. We just want to go back to Egypt. And they said, if you read the last verse on that passage, they got together and said, let's pick us a new leader and go back to Egypt. How completely absurd. So we had 10 spies, the majority of the spies, that were leading a, a doubt-ridden uh, rebellion against God. They were doubting the plan of God. As I was working my way through this, it just, it just occurred to me, I wonder, I wonder how many spies are operating in our lives. I wonder how many spies are at work in our lives telling us, you can't do that. I, you, you say God told you to do that, but you know how crazy that is? You go and do that, and, and people are going to hate you. you. You leave and go like these college students did. You leave and go to a communist nation, and your intent is to go out and deliver Bibles and share Jesus Christ that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. You don't want to do that. And the problem is so often that we begin to listen to those spies. Well, now on the other side of this issue, number three, we had a group of people who were saying something totally different. In fact, the minority over here 
The minority is talking and they are, they are determined to trust God's plan. Number three, the minority is determined to trust God's plan. Now you think about this. They knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that they were completely surrounded by the enemy where they were. They knew that the enemy was much larger than they were. They knew that they had been enslaved for 400 years. And they knew that they had not been equipped to fight a battle. But these people to whom they are now addressing, to whom they are now ready to go and fight, are warriors. And they are giants. And they are well prepared and well equipped and therefore, as they look across, they could have easily jumped to the majority and said, you know what, <laughs> you're right, guys, we can't do that. But they remembered something that God said. I will go before you and drive out the inhabitants. In other words, this isn't your battle. Yeah, these guys are bigger. Yes, they're more equipped. Yes, they're better prepared. But guess what? It doesn't really matter. You're surrounded by the enemies, but you cannot be stopped. There's no way the enemy can stop you. Because I'm going to go before you and drive them out. How often, I'm so afraid, how often... We fall victim to the majority. And we're not listening to the minority. And as a result, we're following the wrong plan. Wrong plan. Here God has laid it out for us. This is what I want for you to do. And what do we do? We step back and say, well, I want to be spiritual about this. So I'm going to pray about it for a while. Did you know that there is a time to stop praying about what you're going to do? And that is when God has determined what it is already. When God has already revealed to us, here's what I want you to do. It's time to stop praying about doing it, and it's time to do it. When God has directed you to go to the mission field, whether it be on a short-term mission trip or a long-term uh, life plan, it's time to stop praying about it and do it. When God has led you to be involved in an act of service, whether it's in your community, in your family, or in the church, it's time to stop praying about it, and it's time to start doing it. It doesn't matter what the majority says. It's time to do what God has called you to do. Now here's the thing. My intent today was to be in Psalm 119. And God redirected my thoughts. I don't know why. But I have a pretty good clue that when God does something like that, there is a need. Maybe there's a need for one person in here. Maybe there's a lot of us that really need to hear this right now. But it's time that we get off the bench. And we do what God has called us to do. You know what? People of Cuba desperately needed the witness of the college students that went. 
No doubt they were talking to people who had never heard of Jesus Christ. No doubt. But did you know there are people in our own community who feel the same way? People in our own community, as they were sharing and talking about how God had impressed on their hearts the need to be witnesses here, God has given us such a big responsibility because the need is great. Need is great. And you know what? In being a witness, it's not one of those things that we should step back and say, well, okay, I'm going to pray about that. Because we know the command's already there. We know the determination is already there. So therefore, we stop praying about doing what God has already commanded us to do, and we go and do it. We go and do it. So while I don't know specifics, and I don't know who this is intended for and who it's not intended for, I do know that God uses these discussions to impress upon someone's life and my prayer is that we're listening this morning my prayer is that this isn't just some passive time where we're gonna zone out but that we're listening to what God is saying so what do we do with this information well I think that as we talked last week we begin to see things as they really are we begin to see that you know what the majority may not be our best uh, counselors. These people who are trying to draw us away from the plan of God, who are telling us we can't do it, that God not the people that need to be directing our lives. But on the other side, these people who are saying, you know what, let's go in and possess it. Let's go and do what God has called us to do. And believe me, this was at great personal risk. Chapter 14 and verse 10, the first part of the verse, says that the people, the majority, said let's stone those other guys to death. They're eventually going to get a following if they keep talking. And we've got to cut that out because we're going to be forced to go into that land and fight, so we've got to stop them. Let's just stone them to death now. So that they're no longer spreading that venom throughout our congregation. We know that the minority may not be telling us the most popular thing. But what we need to be doing is seeking out people who are going to tell us the truth. And we need to be listening to people who are going to be encouraging us and inspiring us to follow the plan of God. So what do we do with this information? I think that we just, we get real with God. God, you've given me a direction. And I'm going to surround myself with people who are going to encourage that direction. Not that I'm going to disown my friends, but I'm not going to allow them to influence my decision. I'm going to allow my, my decisions to be influenced by people who are going to encourage what you've called me to do. And we get real and get busy in what God has called us to do. That's what we do with this information. So here's what I would like to do. I want to give us just a minute of silence so that you can talk with God. If God's 
pushing you to do something. He's directed you to do something. Directed you to be involved in service here at the church. Directed you to be a witness to someone specifically. That today you just say, God, I, I have fought this or I've ran from it or, or I'm hearing it for the first time today and I'm surrendering to it. Would you be obedient to what God has called you to do? Would you just take a moment with him right now?